And we're back on the hunt with Supernatural Season 5, Episode 6. I believe the children are our future. I'm Chris Barrows. And my name's Dan Cummins. Welcome back to the best Supernatural podcast on the air. We're coming off of a filler episode, Chris, and we're coming into a filler episode. But I would argue that this filler episode is a lot of fun. And it offers some interesting lore. And more than that, unanswered questions, Chris. Of course, what I'm talking about is the very famous Jesse Turner. Now, this character is one that I was very excited about when I first watched this episode in real time, Chris, back in 2009. And my anticipation for his return was huge at the time. So as you can imagine, I was very disappointed when we never heard of him ever again. So today, we're going to talk about that character. Why is he here? What is he, right? What are his powers? Where did he go? And what was the intention behind him? Like, did he ever actually intend to come back? What was Kripke thinking? Did a certain character uh, take his place, perhaps? So we're going to cover all of that and more. Uh, of course, welcome back. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the show, please do subscribe. Make sure you're uh, following us back on the hunt here. We're making our way through season five. The Golden Era of Supernatural. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Reddit. We're having weekly discussions over there. This week, we're going to post uh, on the subreddit. What would be your personal hell? Chris and I were just talking off air. He's got a very funny example of that. So we're trying to do these weekly discussions. We're trying to engage the community. If you want to have some fun, make sure you follow us over there. Uh, we'd love to have you and, and your participation. But Chris, what's your personal hell? Give the give the people a little tease. No, so I was saying uh, my personal hell is probably like a, a room that no, I, I never see anyone because I, I, I'm a conversationalist. I need conversation. I need to talk to someone every once in a while where I'm just forced to rewatch the um, the the final four games of the the Yankees losing to the Red Sox in the seven game series where they won the first three and just watching the last four. And, re- and that's the only thing I get to watch in the room. It would die. Got that. You talk about that. We were joking, however, that someone's personal hell might be watching bugs on repeat. But, you know, that that seems like a fair guess if you're a Supernatural fan that that it also could be pretty hellacious. Pretty hellacious. I'm so glad we're past that episode, Chris. And I'm so glad we're past the previous episode, Fallen Idols. I don't mean to crap on that episode. If you love that episode, maybe you're a Paris Hilton fan. That's fine. We hope you enjoyed it. Chris and I are happy to have uh, gotten that one off of our list. But today we're talking about a very good one, Chris. Dean and Sam investigate a series of murders that resemble fairy tales and urban legends. Uh, The boys, of course, track down an 11-year-old boy that Castiel deems to be a serious threat. Now, can I note, Charles Beeson directed this, and I come to trust, generally speaking, there's the dud here or there, but Charles Beeson episodes generally have a overall quality to them. Even if they aren't perfect by any means, there's a quality to them. This one right. aired October 15, 2009, by the way, IMDb reading of 8.5. And yet this kid is interesting. What type of monster is he, Dan? He's called a Cambian. And they're also known as Kotako or the Antichrist. Now, the Bible's definition, despite this, the Antichrist is not actually the son of Satan. They're hard. They're rare and hard to find. And the mothers are often virgins. And really, that's what we're talking about here. We are talking about the Antichrist. And to introduce the Antichrist, we have to think to the future. I mean... Is this the inspiration for a character that plays a big part in the endgame? 
did they do things differently with that character and introduce a new person strategically not wanting to go back to this role, potentially recasting that role, making it an older? I mean, it brings, brings up a lot of questions because the powers of this thing are big. We're talking enough juice to kill an angel with just a word, reality warping, telekinesis, terrakinesis, which can move the ground by just clenching their fist, teleportation, sounds like God, right? You know, it's a, there's a lot of things really interesting to this. Uh, The interesting thing also is weaknesses, demon killing knife and Lucifer's presence. Jesse's powers are actually derived from his presence on earth. If he were to to leave earth, his powers are diminished. But what an interesting character to think about bringing to the forces of Lucifer's side in a battle for all things, heaven and earth, the apocalypse. I mean, this is an, an important character and a character of much debate in the overall lore of Supernatural. Right, very much so. And Castiel says in the middle of the episode, he's not Lucifer's son, but he is his greatest weapon. If Lucifer finds this kid, he will win the war. That is massive, Chris. So as you said, a Cambion is an offspring of demons by a human mother. So the mother, as we will find out, was a virgin. She was possessed by a demon and gave birth to this kid. I mean, it's absolutely insane when you break it down like that, Chris. And another power that we didn't list here, and it's very vital to the plot, and Castiel tells us as much, is that he can prevent both angels and demons from tracking him. If he wants to, he could turn on an invisibility cloak, whatever you want to call it, and demons nor angels can find him. So by the end of this episode, when we say goodbye to Jesse forever, it is explained, Chris. There, There is a little bit of plot armor here, right? If he doesn't want to be found, he doesn't have to be found. And so, like, that is a massive power. The boys have something similar, right? They have their their ribs inscribed so that the angels can't find them as easily. Um, but for Jesse to have this power that is within him, I mean, it's quite crazy. He is a very powerful being, as you said. He can juice an angel just by saying a word. Now, the writers, Chris, when they came up with Jesse, did they have him in mind as a backup, perhaps to end the series if they needed him, right? That's what we're asking. Because this character, kind of jumping the shark, right? I mean, this thing can beat anything that we've seen very, very, very easily. It's kind of like, Chris, when you introduce Superman in a comic book movie, it's like, well, Superman can beat anybody anytime a hundred times over. How do you deal with a character like Superman? It's very hard to write a movie or a comic book about him because you have to challenge him in some way. Jesse is very much in the same vein. What do you do with him? Why introduce him in the first place? That's the question I want to ask Eric Kripke. If I ever got a conversation with him, sat down with him. So Jesse, why, why did we do that? You know, because it seems to me, Chris, that they introduced him and got rid of him in the same episode. And it seems like they intended for it to go that way. So what was the point, right? What was the point? Um, as you said, we'll, we'll get to the end. It does tease a very important character that will get us out of this series. But was Kripke really thinking 10 seasons ahead? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. In this episode, from a plot perspective, people are essentially being killed by practical joke devices. A girl. Here's the list. I mean, we, we, you, you're going to watch this, so you're all going to know. Um, but let, let's just review this. Girl scratches her brains out from itching powder. A man's electrocuted by a joy buzzer. And you you know those stupid buzzers. I, I, I'm sure you've 
got one of those as a kid. Yeah. Um, kids get stomach ulcers from eating Pop Rocks and Coke. I've had Pop Rocks and Coke. I admit it. All right. Um, Coca-Cola. I want to stress that, folks. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm good. I think not get a stomach ulcer. And a tooth fairy extracts a man's tooth. He said, yeah, well, not just one. He takes teeth. I mean, it really is crazy, these things that are happening. And it all turns out to be because of Jesse. Because everything he believes is becoming a reality. And I think the best part of this episode, I think Jesse is an interesting character. The mother, Julia, yeah. his biological mother, and the relationship we see with the demon because he does eventually find her. He's a frightening demon. He's creepy. And the boys are the only reason she gets found. So once again, trouble follows them, but I love her performance in this. I think it's highly underrated. We talk about guest star performances on this show. I think she was phenomenal. And the demon in this was phenomenal. They amongst the best that I've seen in this first five seasons, quite frankly, I just, I think they stood out. Um, the kid's fine. I have no issue with the kid. I mean, I, I think the kid does okay, but I, I think those two deserve a little bit more credit than they would probably get because for many, they'll throw this episode away for the exact reason that you mentioned. We never see Jesse again. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, the, the actress that plays Julia, Chris, I thought the same thing. I thought, when the boys find her initially, she's telling the story of how, you know, basically she was raped by this demon, Chris. We can, if we, if we put it in those terms, maybe it becomes a little, you know, more real for us. But that's basically what happened. This demon took her, had a baby from her, and you know, it basically created a life of pain for her. So when the boys are talking to her, the actress does a great job of conveying those emotions. Then when the demon possesses her, Chris, I thought she was frightening. I'm so glad you mentioned that. She is so good and quite a different character as well. As the mother, I mean, she's she's great. She's innocent. She's quiet. She's reserved. You can tell she's been through some shit. As the demon, she's terrifying and menacing. And, uh, you know, you actually believe that there's this dark entity inside of her. I thought she was really fantastic in that role. But, yeah, I kind of think of, like, if we look at the Bible, Chris, like Mother Mary, right? Virgin. Um, basically is given a child by an angel, right? It's kind of the same story, but reverse. That's why we're referring to it as the Antichrist, right? Not quite the same story as the Bible. He's not the son of uh, of God or the, or the son of the devil himself, but he is very powerful, just like Jesus was in the Bible. So I thought it was a fun spin on the Jesus story, Chris. Kripke went on record to say he had no intention of uh, introducing Jesus himself, the character, in Supernatural, uh, an interesting piece of lore here is that Jared and Jensen, as we're ramping into season four and season five, they asked him, you know, we're getting very close to religion here. Are we stepping over the line? You know, are, are we going to cross, you know, the the threshold that people are comfortable with? And Kripke said, don't worry, there's not going to be a Jesus character. We're going to play around with that. This character is the closest thing we get to that, Chris. And I thought Julia played a very convincing modern tale um, of you know, Mother Mary, of course, it's reversed, as we said. But I mean, yeah. it really is like this sad, terrifying existence that Julia lives. And she gets rid of the kid, right? She adopts him. We learn that. But she still gets hunted down by the same demon that put the baby in her because of the boys. Like you said, trouble follows these guys around. And poor Julia, man, she just wants to live her life and forget this happened. And she's possessed again. And, and that takes us to the middle of the episode, right? Where ultimately... 
we're having disagreements between Castiel and the boys again, Chris. Castiel wants to kill this kid. He says, we need to get rid of him. If Lucifer gets his hands on Jesse, it's trouble. Sam actually butts head with him a little bit, Chris. I love this scene because Sam and Castiel have a bit of a face-off, a little bit of friction. Castiel isn't exactly forgiving Sam. And you can tell just by this one uh, you know, little argument that they have. But thank God Dean backs Sam up. He says, dude, we're not going to kill the kid. We're going to talk to him. We're going to convince him that he doesn't need to be this monster, right? We've seen that tale a lot too, Chris. Um, like the episode Heart, Madison, the werewolf. Let's convince her she doesn't want to be a monster and maybe we can save her, right? More often than not, they fail, Chris. But in this episode, Sam's good intentions actually pay off for once. And it was really cool to see that for him. I mean, they pay off to the point that, look, we know at the end of his episode, he goes away. He doesn't show up again. For all intents, it worked. Sam was right in this moment. And it is different because I think if you put Sam from midway through season four in the situation, you'd say, let's kill it. Right. You know? And so I think that's in, in particular, a very important scene because of the fact that this is a very different decision than, than, you know, a season ago. Mm. And so it's great to see that. I think yep. that's important. I think that face to face with Castiel, we see a very angry Castiel in that moment. And I don't know if it is truly fair. I just want to say he Castiel pulls Dean from hell. Dean tortured in hell started and broke the first seal. This is not all on Sam, right? The first, this is the, the brothers have done this together. Now, really whose fault is it in the long run? No one knew about killing an obvious bad guy was going to do this. So, I think it's a little unfair, but it also goes to show you the different relationship between Castiel and Sam and Castiel and Dean. Castiel puts up with a little bit more from Dean. There's a better relationship there. And that will continue throughout the show. I mean, when it comes down to it, that continues throughout the show, which is ironic for a lot of reasons. Mm. Um, and I'll get to that as we talk about the comparison that gets made to Jack. Because a few things come to my mind there. Sam and Dean do refuse this, though. Jesse's biological father possesses the mom, as we've talked about. Jesse is the one who exercises the demon. He listens to Sam. Then he vanishes, seemingly to Australia. Yeah. This will get referenced again, by the way. And let's just make note of it, because in a later season, season 15, <laughs> Dean says, trust me, where you want to be is Australia. It's far away and nothing but beaches, babes, the Antichrist, long story. Forget it. Small reference. They acknowledge the existence of the Antichrist, but Antichrist hasn't been a problem. So there you go. But yeah, I, I want to talk about this, if you don't mind, because later seasons, we know, and if you have not watched Ed, one, probably shouldn't listen to the show anyways, but we, we're glad you're here. But we're going to talk about a character by the name of Jack. And we're going to talk about Jack right now. So Jack Klein. Jack Klein is the legitimate child of Lucifer and a human woman uh, who is another wonderful character, by the way. I do love her character. Me too. Um, Jack is not so beloved by Dean in so many of those seasons. Dean and Jack, not great. But Castiel and Jack... What a, I mean, it's essentially a father son relationship by the end. Yeah. 
that's really what it becomes. So it's just very interesting just how close. I think I keep thinking of how close Castiel is to Dean, Castiel is to Jack, but Dean and Jack, I, I let's face it, Sam is a better friend or mentor to Jack in all those seasons than Dean ever will be. It's fair to say. Um, they still say that they're brothers, that they're, they're that he's a hunter, all this other stuff. But let's be real. It's not for Sam. Jack would have gone off a deep end at some point, in my opinion. So, Definitely. And we're talking way ahead. But Jack, is this not a direct inspiration from this? I mean, it's different. Jack is a Nephilim. But man, when we get to Jack, we're going to have to come back and think about this episode. We're going to have to. And yeah, a Nephilim is actually the the child of an angel and a human, right? So technically Lucifer is an angel. We think of him often as a demon, Chris, but he actually is a fallen angel. And so Jack is different from Jesse in that way. One is half demon, you could say, and one is half angel, right? So that's the the one differentiator there. Um, the, angel, the angel counterpart, really, to the Cambion. I mean, I would imagine, Chris, they have very similar powers. If Jesse were to stay powerful... Right. And maybe even learn his powers, because in this episode, Chris, he doesn't really know how he's doing it. Right. He says as much. He says, I don't know how I just did that. What's happening? Who am I? Right. What what uh, do I do? And Jack is very similar at the beginning of his journey. He very much is a child like he's in the form of an adult man. But in a lot of ways, the innocence, the uh, the the lack of knowledge of their powers is very, very similar. Chris, I just want to point out that line. Uh, from Dean that you had read earlier actually never made it to the show. And we have to think it's because Jack was a character that was already present. And so it was in the draft of the script, but for whatever reason, they nixed it, Chris, which I don't really understand. The fans have been clamoring to hear about this kid, Jesse for so long. Why not just have a nod to him right now, Australia. I want to touch on that really quickly. A lot of people think he was in Australia. Number one, because of the quote you just read, you can access the older scripts. You can access some of the drafts. So if you need proof, that's that's as much proof as you can get, Chris. But in Jesse's room, I believe there was a poster of Australia and the camera pans to that. And so a lot of people say, OK, well, when he exercised the demon, he said, see you later. I'm going to go to Australia. As long as Lucifer is around, Chris, he has his powers. But as we know, Lucifer goes away quite a bit in the show, right? He does resurface. But like once he goes to the cage, you have to think that Jesse doesn't have powers anymore. And so where was he when he had his powers? Where was he when he didn't have his powers? There's a lot of questions. And I just wish we would have gotten an episode. Just give me one episode or even just a line. Like if you had kept that line in that that episode of uh, season 15, episode 13, that would have been enough for me. It would have been enough proof, enough canon, Chris. I don't know if we can call it canon. It was in a script, but technically it didn't happen in the show, right? So all we can do is is speculate and talk about his character like we're doing now. But yeah, right. Jack, I mean, this is a a, a beat for beat uh, recasting, in my opinion. I have to think they said, we need someone that's really powerful. What's What do we got, right? Who is the most powerful character in the last 10 seasons? How about that kid, Jesse? Yeah, but you know, his power depends on Lucifer. Let's, let's, let's make him the actual son of Lucifer now, right? Let's, let's take it up a notch. And so Jesse doesn't work anymore. You create a new character. That's fine, Chris. I'm not the biggest fan of Jack. I don't want to go into that too much. We're going to take this podcast all the way to season 15 folks, but Jesse final word on him. I thought he was a great character and I wish Chris, I really do wish that they had given Jesse that role instead of Jack. I think it would have been payoff. Um, 
There are a lot of unanswered questions in this show. That would have been one more to get off their list. Some fan service, if you will. Um, bring the kid back. Why not? He was great. And, and I want to speak to that just a little bit. You know, last episode, I feel like we ended a little bit quicker. There wasn't much more to say. In this one, there's a little bit more to say because in my mind, suggesting what you just said, I agree. You recast the role because the character's older now. Right. So you can pick a mature actor who's going to play that role well. You also can play on the part that, well, he doesn't have the power except for when Lucifer returns, meaning if he suddenly has power, you know Lucifer is back. Right. So it's also a barometer for Lucifer. It mm. brings Lucifer into the foray in the final seasons, however you want to use him. It is not an, you know, a, a guaranteed success against God if you continue in that direction. But I always viewed, and I'll get into this when we get towards the end, is what are the alternate endings to this show? And mm. I think one of the debates would be if you did that, Maybe the show does end differently. And I'll get to that when we get to those later seasons. But this would play a little bit into one of those alternate ones in my mind. I'm not going to complain about the end or anything like that. That's not what this is about. I simply think there's some interesting options if you choose this character. And I did like it. I like the fact that it was connected. Now, kudos to them connecting a character, a Nephilim, who is different technically. So kudos. The writers did what they did. They didn't want to go that direction. But... What is this guy up to now? Kind of got to wonder. Uh, but you do know that Jack is more powerful and Jack is would defeat this this particular character in in an all-out power duel. Um, yeah. But that, that's not something we would need to see in my mind. We just didn't we just needed one or the other. So kind of with you on this one. Overall, I know it's a filler, but it's an interesting episode. It's an episode that gets you thinking about the show. It's an episode that ultimately is going to be debated. And, uh, you know, it's an 8.5 on IMDb. I actually thought it'd be lower. Not going to lie. But this one would have a have a few rating bombs on or something like that. But sitting there at 8.5, it's a pretty solid number. That's pretty solid. I thought it was really funny, Chris. There are some really funny moments in this one. Fallen Idols, the episode before this, they tried to be very funny in that episode. Fell flat for me a lot of times. This one, though, like when Dean is testing the joy buzzer on Sam after convincing Jesse that they don't actually kill people. Like that was such a risky thing for Dean to do. And he does it with such confidence. Like I was rolling on the floor laughing, Chris. I loved that moment. And there's many more like that. So it's a thumbs up for me on uh, the rewatch. It's definitely on my list. It made me laugh a lot, but also it introduced arguably like top five most powerful monsters of all time in the show and only featuring him in one episode. I mean, it's bonkers, Chris. If you Google, yeah. if you Google this kid, Jesse's name, you're, you don't find much on this character. Like they won and done him so hard. It's, it's insane to me that we didn't get more answers. So I love talking about this kind of stuff. If you like talking about this kind of stuff, maybe you don't have any friends that appreciate the show. Join us on Reddit. Join us on Twitter. Subscribe to the show. We're just trying to talk through our favorite show, Supernatural. Every episode has something interesting to note. Um, Chris, our next episode, The Curious Case of Dean Winchester. Very cool, dude. Dean and Sam are dealing with witches again. They're running a poker game. But instead of money, they're dealing with years. And it's very, very funny, Chris. It's a good episode. It's an 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Make sure you come back, rewatch it before you hop on the, the podcast and let's talk about it. I'm really interested to see what you think, Chris, personally. I just watched this as we're recording this today. I watched this the other night, uh, so it's fresh in my mind when we get to it. 
Uh, and I'm excited to talk about it, but I want to thank everyone for joining us. Of course, uh, the show will continue. We've got a lot of work to do here because we've got a lot of season left ahead of us here. Season five is far from done. And there will be some meaty episodes that come up, including one of my favorite, probably in the entire series, will be, up, be coming up in the next four to five episodes. So um, you may know what that is. I'll be interested if people figure out you know just what that one is but it's coming very soon dan uh so i cannot wait uh but on that note i will take this moment to say thank you everybody for listening make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're not already subscribed i know about i can say i think it's about 60 percent of people who listen are not subscribed so let's solve that subscribe today and that will be it for this week but we will be back because after all we've got work to do 